what are our favorite board games? Here's a clue. There's no risk involved. Let's Let's geek geek out. out. This week on Have You Read It, I found this little comic. It's a Mario comic. It starts off, it's a me. Why do you always say it's a me? The little toad guy. Because I am one of many. A single Mario in an endless Mario ocean. <laughs> uh, I still, I still love the Mario ocean. It always makes me think of uh, playing. As, I can't remember now actually if it's Assassin's Creed Two or Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. I think it's just Assassin's Creed Two, when Ezio meets his uncle and his uncle's coming down the road to him and says, "Ezio, don't you recognize me? It's a me, Mario." <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like it's a cheap laugh. It just came out of nowhere, and it's always funny. Yeah, I love it. I I totally forgot about that. That is just funny. And then what have you found? I found a picture, and it was submitted by Redditor McLassie. In Shanghai, they serve a dish called Coffee Mellow, where the cup of coffee is served with a piece of cotton candy suspended above it. And the steam from the coffee will cause the cotton candy to dissolve, just raining sugar into the cup just as you drink it and it's it looks just looking at the picture of it it looks like a cloud hanging over this coffee cup who would not want that who would not enjoy that yeah they should serve it on mondays <laughs> a special deal on mondays if you order that it comes in gray on mondays yes <laughs> <laughs> all right like we said at the top of the episode today's episode is going to be all about our favorite board games Libby and I will each be picking our top five favorites all time. Um, Now, I know most people, when they think board games, they think of the classics. They think Clue. They think Monopoly, Risk, uh, Sorry, and Scrabble. And while those are all great and have their times, board games have really exploded over the last couple of years into so many different varieties that the world's a lot deeper than I think a lot of people realize. And so today we're going to be focusing on... The ones that we've come to love over the years that we always take to parties and play with our friends. And they're all so much fun just because they're accessible. They're thematic. You can do them with big groups, small groups, um, people from any walk of life, really. That and just about any of these, you almost don't know who has won until the very, very end. Yeah. Like a lot of these, you have to count up points and it's you don't know until you start counting up points you're like i i don't know who <laughs> yeah it's it's that european style board gaming that keeps everybody in it because nobody likes playing a game where halfway through it you know who's won and it's a mere formality at this point to play yeah the That's uh, no i can think of one game that really does that and just everybody's miserable and hates everybody by the end of that <laughs> you mm. know what i'm thinking of <laughs> would it be monopoly yeah yeah, I've I've played Monopoly with people who are strict, strict by the rule players, to where like I people would be out of money, and they could they would not allow them to quit. They said, no, no, you can't just quit. You're not out. You have to mortgage your property. You have to sell all that because that's what's in the rules. Yeah, I, I hated like, let it go. when it got to that point. Let it go. Let it go. No. <laughs> What is your number five? My number five is one I found years ago at a KB Toys before it closed. And it's called Library. And that's L-I-E-Brary. And the plot of the game, it's a great party game um, for people who do read a lot and even for people that don't. 
but the way the game works is you choose a card at random and the card has a book on it and it will give you a brief description of the plot and the author and then your job is to try to guess what the first line of the book is and everybody writes theirs down it gets mixed up with the real answer and then everybody votes on what they think the right one is now in all the times i've played it i don't think anybody's ever gotten close to the actual title so trying to play the game for just strictly by the rules it does get easy but some of the ridiculous answers people come up with makes the game exciting it makes the game funny yeah we've played this a few times we usually take it over to our friends anytime we have like a game night and we all end up just dying laughing because the names are ridiculous or it's it's usually like quotes too yeah so it, it's you can just come up with just about anything yeah because nobody's like i said nobody's ever really close and there's maybe a handful of books because I mean, logistically, how many books do you really know the first line of off yeah. the top of your head? There's a, there's a handful. That, and I love that you don't have to know what the first line is. You just have to make it seem like that's the first line. Yeah, or just make it as ridiculous as you want. Yeah, it, it's kind of like, uh, what's that game? Apples to Apples? Yeah. Where Or uh, Cards Against, Cards Against Humanity. Humanity, where you, the group, or the, not the group, yeah. whoever the judge is, is the one picking it. So you have to kind of cater your answer to what the judge likes. And so my number five is a lot like charades, but it's called concept. And you have this board that has all of these different like colors or um, it has all these different like little like ideas or uh, concepts. Laughing man woman baby it has all this other stuff and you have to try and get everybody to guess whatever is on your card and you have what the three different levels i think so i think you have like your main concept and you have the smaller ideas no i'm talking oh, about you, on, on, the, on the, the card part, yeah. it has uh, like a three point a two point and a one point. right the one point's usually pretty easy the t and then there's the two point and the three point. Well, you're trying to get however many points. So you want to do as many two and threes as possible. So that that kind of makes it interesting because you could be like trying to get somebody to say Game of Thrones. Well, you've got a crown and you've got colors or people and you're trying to figure out uh, like I might put it on something that like a snowflake for winter and the crown and or i forget what else there is i don't think there's a crown but it's that type of stuff and i love that game yeah it's it's charades for people who hate acting out exactly and that's why i like it because i like charades i just hate getting up and doing the things because i don't want to look like an idiot <laughs> right because nobody really enjoys charades that much if they did they wouldn't be coming up with 30 different variations of it yeah all right um, moving on to number four, my number four is one we found a lot of these we were introduced to, if anybody's ever seen Will Wheaton's tabletop on the um, Geek and Sundry. Yep. Geek and Sundry. Um, that's where we found a lot of these, is watching them play and just going out to our local game shops and finding them. And that's how we were introduced to our number four, which is Last Night on Earth. Um, 
if you've never heard of it or played it, it is a great thematic game for any Friday the 13th or Halloween or just whenever you're feeling in a spooky mood. It is a co-op zombie fighting game. You play as either a group of zombies or as the humans desperate to survive. There are several different game modes as you try to move around the map to collect the items that you need to fight off the horde and to try to escape or survive till sundown. It's really, it's really fun just to be goofy because you can give the character some life. It's always, it's fun playing RPGs like that and getting into character. Now, which one is this? On tabletop, Dr. Hannah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That's um, what I needed. <laughs> yeah. That's the one we got at McKay's, isn't it? Yeah, we found that one used for maybe $15, $20. Yeah, it was super cheap, and it's like a $50, $60, $70 game. Yeah, it's a big game. It even comes with a little DVD or CD, rather, of spooky background music to kind of get you in the theme. I mean, it's it's like playing a B-grade horror zombie movie. It it really is. It's it's a sci-fi original in a board game. It's cheesy, but it's so much fun. It's fun playing. I played as humans and I played as the zombie horde. And either way, it's fun. Either way, it's okay. So I just looked it up. It's like thirty nine ninety nine or forty dollars. Oh, somebody wants a hundred and one thirteen for it. Uh, someone no. is an idiot. Eighty nine ninety nine. So okay. Oh, there's others. There's survival of the fittest. Timber Peak. Interesting. So is that like a series, I guess? I think the people that make it, not I don't know if they did a series straight off that, but they may have made a line of games that were very similar to it. They all seem to be zombie. I may be wrong. I haven't seen any of the others. I've seen a bunch of the Dead of Winter spinoffs. Yeah, that's another good one. Yeah. Okay, so my number four has got to be Carcassonne. Mm. Not only because I beat you every time, but Unless I just... Unless we play with other people, and then the other people beat both of us. <laughs> True. I take that as a win. We've only played it once with other people. I've played more than that. Uh, well, we played with my mom, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Did she win? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so that does hold true. <laughs> I win unless we play with someone else. And then we both lose. Well, we were helping her win. <laughs> I'll take it as a, a, as a, a group victory. But I love that game because there's like several different ways to gain points. Mm-hmm. You don't have to just, you don't have to do one specific thing. So you have the Abbeys and the, you get points from that by putting your little meeple guy and you have what six different meeples? I think it's six. They're these li- little wooden, like tiny people. If if you it look it, up meeple, you'll see it introduced the meeple to the world. Yes, it did. But you have your little meeples, and you put your little meeple on like the abbey. Well, you get points at the end of the game, or whenever you encircle it in other tiles, because everything is on a little tile. Yeah, every turn you put out another tile that has either a field or a road or part of a city. Yeah, so it's partial chance, partial how do you deal with that chance. Mm -hmm. So you take 
the abbey. I love the abbeys because they have the most points. But you put the abbey down and then you have to... Normally there's either a road or it's blank on all sides. Um, the abbey with the road you have to either put up against just regular grass or connect the road. So you can either put your little meeple on the abbey or the road. I always put it on the abbey. And then I enclose it. And you get one point for every tile, mm -hmm. correct? So that's one point for the abbey. Not, so you get nine points altogether, mm -hmm. right? So you get nine points once it's all encircled. So you get to move forward nine on score board thing. And then you have the roads, and you mm -hmm. get one point for each road. You get a point for each tile that the road goes. Yes. As it finishes. So you c to claim that, you have to put one of your meeples on the road, and you can have that road go as long as you need until it comes to a village, village or a city. Right. Right. And then there's the city tiles, and the city tiles kind of change, and not every tile is the same. You're, no. it, it changes. Everything's different. There's only one tile of some things. Right. Uh, there's one tile where it's all city. Yeah, and there's only one. And there's only one in the whole stack. Yeah. It's There's a lot of strategy in the game because you can try to go for big points and big payoffs that you may or may not get. Or you can go for a lot of just quick three and four point scores here and there. And both strategies really work but it's very accessible it's a very easy game to introduce people to yeah i try to put as many meeples out as as i possibly can um i will put my meeple out on a ton of roads pretty early on and then when i finish off a road or if i see that i'm, I'm running out of meeples i'll just finish off a road and then pull up that meeple and place it somewhere else and get the points real quick and then I try to make the largest city possible <laughs> and it's again like we were talking about earlier it falls into that European style of you don't know necessarily who's going to win I've seen people who in the last five turns have been 20 30 points behind but then once the final scoring comes up at the end them either win or you know come very very close maybe lose by one or two points yeah, it's, it's always a pretty close game with that one. Especially if you don't finish a whole lot. Then you kind of have to wait till the end to figure out what your, or like what your points are. Because it, just because you don't finish something doesn't mean you don't get the points from it. Right. You still get those points, so they still count for something. And that's what I like, is that just because it doesn't look like you're winning doesn't necessarily mean that you aren't winning. Exactly. You can win without knowing you're winning. Yes. And that's the best part. Yeah. Um, moving up to number three and keeping with my horror theme is another Haunted House classic. And that is Betrayal at House on the Hill. I love this game for so many reasons. Um, if you've never played the game, you play, you choose your character and you're thrown into a haunted house that's constructed of different tiles and you lay out the map as you go and you're shuffling the tiles so you're never going to get the same layout twice you're always going to get something different and there are many obstacles throughout the house that you have to deal with but the best part is halfway through the game you will 
uncover cursed artifacts as you go. And every time you do, you have to do what's called a haunt roll to see if the haunt is going to happen, which the haunt is a mechanic in the game. And whenever it does happen, you will find that at least one of the players of the game is an unknown traitor to the game. So the game will completely change depending on what happens. So depending on how many artifacts have been found and what artifact was found, the rulebook will have a scenario and tell you that, oh, if the cursed ring was the last item found, then the player to your left is the traitor. And it's scenario 57. And there, yeah. are, there are 100 scenarios in the book to choose from, I think. It's 50 or 100. And so you might find out that, oh, you've been working against your teammates this whole time. So all these items that you've accrued are now going to be used to fight off your friends. Or maybe you have to try to overpower some unknown demon or whatever. So, I mean, theoretically, you could play the game 100 times and never get the same game twice. We've played a couple times, and one of the times we kind of messed up, mm-hmm. <laughs> and what I was the I was the traitor, but some something about the way we read it, we read it wrong, and everybody nobody was supposed to know that I was the traitor, but then everybody found out because we said mm. or I said that I was the traitor, yeah, because you told me to, and then we reread it and we we're like, oops. And then I was the traitor again. <laughs> yeah. We played some. We played one where the house is actually a spaceship, and one of the characters is an alien in disguise who's now transported everybody back to their planet, and the atmosphere is poisoned, and now you have to race to try to get the ship back home. Yeah, we died. Yeah, that didn't work. I won out because I was the alien. But yeah, just the unpredictability and the replayability of it. Yeah, it, it's never the same game. I mean, even if you're playing the same scenario, you might not get the same outcome. Right, and a lot of games have the traitor mechanic. So games like, you know, Werewolf or Vampire or Mafia, where you know somebody in your midst is trying to get you. And those are a lot of fun, but you can also kind of figure out who it is. And so there's a lot more, you know, reading faces and reading people. Whereas this one, you have no idea. You literally don't know who you can trust and who's going to turn against you because it hasn't happened yet. I know, because it, it, it doesn't, it takes a few rolls. Mm-hmm. There was one time when, was it when I was the traitor? I don't know. I don't remember now. But one of the times we had almost all of the house put down mm-hmm. and we had to take everything up. Yeah, it was, I can't remember which one, but yeah, it was very late in the game. Yeah, it was super late that it, like when it finally we did the haunt roll and we had to take everything that we had just put down back up. Yeah, <laughs> that was a little annoying, but just a little bit. But like I said, it's you're you can play that game hundreds and hundreds of times, and you'll always get something different. Oh yeah, and there are expansions. There's also a D and D spinoff. Um, Betrayer at Baldur's Gate. Yeah. So same mechanics essentially, but in the D&D universe. So if that's more your style versus classic Cabin in the Woods haunting, that is also an option. Speaking of D&D. 
Oh, no, I know where this is going. My number three. We have not gone over these lists together, by the way. We have not. I mean, I think you saw me, like, taking pictures for Instagram, but you didn't actually see which games I was pulling out. No, I did not. So, uh, my number three is Lords of Waterdeep, and it is based off of the D&D world. It's for two to five players, and I win <laughs> all the time. You Although did you didn't win last time. Well, I know, but most of the time, most. I win. <laughs> like the first time, and the second time, and the third time, and the fourth time, I won. I'm starting to notice that you like games that you win. Not all the time. I concept. I don't. That's that's a team game though. We're in it together. But I like Lords of Waterdeep. Even when I don't win, because you we won last time. I did. You've won. You've actually won a couple times. But what it is is you have this giant board. It's like one of the biggest boards I've ever seen. Yeah, it's a good size, like take up most of your coffee table. Yes, size board. it's huge. You have to have a ton of room. It, like, I mean, play this in the kitchen with a giant table. Mm-hmm. But so it folds out. It has like six folds out or something like that or i think it's just a large board that folds out four times anyways you have this giant board a hundred squares around the edge right right or that's how you see how many points you have and then you have all these little things where you get these cubes Mm -hmm. so you have to get there's mage priests Rogues and fighters. Rogues and fighters. I was going to say ninjas. <laughs> but there's white, purple, orange, and black. Orange are the fighters. Fight. And rogue is black. Mm-hmm. So you have to gather these and you have to gather coins to complete these quests. And you have these quests on these cards. But you also have to like continue to get quests as the game goes on. So you start off with two quests and an intrigue card. Intrigue cards help you get more things like the cubes and the yeah, they'll shift the balance money, of the game a little. Or it might give you access to a building or something, or it can let you buy a building because you have to buy buildings too to try and get other things. Uh, one of the uh, characters or lords, I mm-hmm. guess is called the builder and they get points by owning the most buildings and yeah. it, they actually give the most points right because it's like six points a building versus like the other lords you have to do um different types of quests yeah different types of quests like Pi- skull skullduggery commerce piety um, and warfare and arcana and arcana yeah so you have to do those different types of quests. So like one of them, I think it's Arcana and I think Skullduggery or something. Yeah, like each Lord's a combination. You'll have yeah, one it's usually a combo. You'll have like Skullduggery and Warfare, Piety and Commerce, Piety and Warfare. Yeah, Arcana and whatever. Yeah. So you have to do as many que- um, as many of those quests as possible, but the more people playing, the more people are in your way and the fewer yeah. quests you get to do. Because it's worker placement, so you, you don't get to do whatever you want every turn. It's You go in order, and if somebody decides that they're going to go to the bank and get more money that day, 
you're not going to get to. And so you have to plan around that. Yeah, you'd better have an entry card or you'd better have like a, one of those special buildings that lets you use mm-hmm. somebody else's spot. There's there's always something around it. Uh, there's also, because um, there's, when you go to Waterdeep Harbor, that's when you get to play an intrigue card, right? Mm-hmm. So you go to Waterdeep Harbor, you play an intrigue card. Well, after everybody else has put all their meeples down, because you have, yeah, it uses meeples. I didn't yeah. say that earlier, but it uses meeples too. But you start off with, start off with four meeples, and you can use those four meeples. Well, there's also other meeples that you can gain if you've done a certain quest. If you've done a certain quest, you get these other meeples, and I forget what they're called, but there's like a, a like wooden looking one and then there's a white one and you can use those you can get those at some point and you basically just get an extra meeple to use but you do it in turn but you also have to do it there's also a thing because one of the weird things that it does is you pick who goes first and until somebody lands on we don't use it very often (laughs) no going i mean going first isn't that big a deal no, it, it for me for me I've never played it as I have to go first. Some people that might be more there. I had to do that style. the one time that first time we played when I was the builder because mm-hmm. I was the builder the very first time we played, which is arguably one of the hardest ones to play because it's very obvious and people can block you pretty easily. But I go on that like first player marker. I had to go on the first player marker to be first, and you're first every time. It, it's in order every time, right? Right. The more, like, more people, you, you're in a specific order. And if no one lands on that first player marker, you're always in that same order. Yeah. The order won't change until somebody gets that marker. Yeah. And they have to want to. And usually it's not an, an issue unless you're getting blocked multiple times. Yeah. But you go, you place your, you have your four meeples and you, Let's say I was first, and then Casey was second. I would put one of my meeples down, and then Casey would put one down. And then I would put one down, and then he would put one down. And then I would put one down, and then he would put one down. And then I would put one down, and then he would put one down. And then we'd take them all up. Once once that turn, or once that round was done, we'd take all the meeples up, and then we'd go on to round two. And that's how they all, all the rounds work. And then it's round five. Mm, round five, you unlock. You get your fifth meeple. And then you have, that's for the last two rounds, that you have that extra meeple to try and get more stuff. It's for that last little boost yeah. at the end of the game. Because the game only goes seven rounds. And I've, then you're done. And then that's it. So it's got a set time limit, which is kind of nice. Yeah, I like that because it's not, it's not like you have to wonder, is this the last turn or is the next turn the last turn? It just, you know how many turns you have. Yeah. Okay, so I guess you're number two. My number two. I'm not number two. Um, <laughs> number two for me um, was the first really big game I got and the first non-traditional game I got, and it's Ticket to Ride. And Ticket, yeah, to, Ride, like Ticket to Ride, to me, is the perfect introduction to, like we said, European-style board gaming but less conventional board games because it's all it's always a little bit daunting to find a game 
open it up and then the rule book ends up being you know, this 40 page tome essentially and it can be a little bit intimidating ticket to rides is two pages it is an insanely simple game where the original base game is a map of the united states they've expanded to do european versions and british versions and russia and the orient and india i didn't realize they'd gone that far with yeah it. they've they've gone insanely far like there's some that are strictly france some that are strictly italy all inclusive yeah but the map the board is a map of whatever location is the first one is the united states and it has multicolored railways linking major cities across the country and your job is to try to build railways connecting these cities and the way you do that is by drawing cards and creating matching pairs based on the colors so if the train from new york to boston is black you want to connect, collect as many black cards as you need to complete that so if it takes two trains to get there and you have two black cards you play those you move on you get to build the train and what you're trying to do is you are trying to make the longest train route you can you're also trying to complete as many routes as you can bringing those points but you're also given other secret cards that have longer routes so say try to connect san francisco to miami and or los angeles to new york and you get bonus points for those and so there's some strategy in there too of you, maybe you know what a person's trying to do and you can try to block them there but it's like I said, it's just it's it's so simple and it's so basic that it's so easy to get into that you're not having to stop and check the rule book every three seconds yeah it's basically collect these cards are you know you need these cards or these engines or whatever to get from point a to point b and then just start collecting right almost i mean literally i think about the only three things you can do per turn are you draw two cards you build a train or you take another route did you mention the engines the, the engine, rainbow engines the wild card engines yeah and the wild cards are included too which those are cool, but you can only draw one of... If you, you get, get one, one of those, you can... You yeah, can you only, can only draw, draw one of those at a time. But, like I said, it's because it's so easy and you, just, you can explain it to anybody. I've played it with younger people, I've played it with older people, and anybody gets it. Everybody gets it. Yeah, I don't remember the age range on that, but it shouldn't be too high. Because no. it's super simple. And you can... If you've finished all your routes, you can draw for more. Right. And yeah. keep stacking up those points because there's uh did you mention the card if you have the longest yeah route? the longest you're trying to get the longest you get bonus points for getting the longest you get bonus points for completing the routes on your tickets you get bonus points i think for like most tracks completed yeah so it's it's really cool do you get negative points for not completing if you don't complete your routes you do lose points. okay yeah i thought i thought so but yeah, I, I like that game too. Yeah, it's another one that you do have to have a lot of space and there are a lot of little pieces. As long as you've got it and then make the time for it. And it's well worth it. That's that's up there with Settlers of Catan and Carcassonne as you can go to you know your local toy store, Walmart, Target, whatever, and find it. You don't have to go to you know a specialty game store or Amazon or something like that to find it. But it is available on Amazon. It is. And, not uh, a sponsor. Yeah, it's not a sponsor. But they do, uh, it is one of those games that's a good, like, gift. 
if you mm-hmm. want to give it to somebody or take it to a party or something if you're doing a like a game board party thing or just heck throw it in the car maybe take it on vacation something go play with friends it, it doesn't matter it's super easy it's kind of large to take with you yeah. on places there's not a whole lot of uh, space like if you're driving somewhere yeah. but it, it it is a fun game okay so my number two is actually a bunch of games and that is flux, oh, flux. we have Firefly Flux, Holiday Flux, Star Trek The Next Generation Flux, Monty Python Flux, Stoner Flux, Pirate Flux, Cthulhu Flux, and Anatomy Flux. This is the easiest game and hardest game at the same time. It is. Because the simple rules are you draw one, play one. But there are rule cards you can play to add rules or replace rules and that's what makes it a little more confusing because you start off you have to have you have goals Mm -hmm. that you need to fill and that's one of the ways you have to get you'll have a goal card that says you need this item and this item and that's how you win the game yeah keeper cards yeah they're the keeper cards so you have the goal cards you have the keeper cards you have rule cards and you have action cards. action cards and so the action cards like will change it will stop something or will allow you to like go back through the deck or go through the discard pile or usually steal from somebody else or stop somebody from stealing or trade hands yeah trade hands trade keepers mix up the keepers stuff like that the keepers you play down in front of you and that's that's like you're claiming those keepers mm-hmm. so you keep them yeah you keep them but then there's also cards that limit your amount of keepers that people can play which is one of the rule cards yeah. or they can limit the number of cards you have in your hand or you could you can you can also end up with like 50 cards in your hand at one time you can it starts off with draw one card, play one card, but you could also change the rules to draw three, play one, draw five, play all but one, draw or play th- all, and yeah, draw one, play all. Um, it, the game can end in five minutes or it can end in fifty. Yeah, it it it's and we've a complete it and total toss up. Yeah, we've what? I think I won in like two or three rounds once, yeah. and then it's been like. 20 rounds and we're like fighting with each other to see who's gonna win yeah it's it's feasibly possible you have to have some bad shuffling but i mean it's feasibly possible to win on the very first hand of the game yeah it, it's super difficult it's a total chance thing yeah. like all the planets have to align for that to happen but that's another one of those it's good to bring places like sitting at an airport if you're you can play that if you're waiting for a plane or something. You can take it on vacation because it's just a deck of cards. Yeah. It's not an actual quote-unquote board game. But you can take it anywhere just like you would a deck of cards. Yeah. Good for restaurants. Good for, like you said, plane trips, car rides. 
We've um, taken it to like family gatherings when there's like dead. And uh, we'll go over to like my aunts and everybody will be swimming and maybe we got there late and don't have time to swim or something. We'll just sit there and play flux. Yeah, and it's very easy to get other people in. It's very accessible just in terms of the rules and in terms of just how many different varieties there are because the ones we mentioned, that's just some of the ones they make. There's an original Star Trek, there's drinking, there's Adventure Time, there's Cartoon Network, there's Batman. There's an original. Yeah, there's an original one that I... We don't even have it. Yeah, there's a mathematics one, and seasons, and nature, and... I mean, if you can... Almost at this point, if you can think of it, there's a version of it somewhere out there. Oh, yeah, there's... Sci-fi, and pirate. Yeah, and I mentioned pirate. That was one of the ones we got super, super cheap, because it was when... uh, our favorite place was going out of business. Yeah, that's sad. Sad. Bad time. Game cave. Yeah. We loved our little game store. I really like it. We always take it when we go on vacation. Yeah, that's a vacation staple. Yeah, it, it has to. Yeah. And do we want to do our honorable mentions yeah, now? Before we get to our number one picks, we have some honorable mentions. Um, I know I said that we wouldn't be going over classic traditional games but i do have a soft spot for trivial pursuit still <laughs> because if you always win water deep and you always win carcassonne i always win trivial pursuit yeah because a group of people have to go up against you and you'll still win yeah that happened jeopardy genius i i don't humble brag but i did beat a team of about 15 people yeah and you've also uh did a uh, interview a tryout yeah yeah so it was a tryout not an interview yeah it was it, that was really cool though just seeing how the show worked and all the stuff that goes into it i don't want to be on there now i'm scared of the dude that's on there right now <laughs> it'd be one of those it's nice to meet you nice to be on tv for half an hour see y'all in another life and i'm out um but yeah i remember being a kid and my parents having true pursuit and i wanted to play it and i was maybe seven years old and so that would have been mid-90s, and this game was made in the 80s. So it's all 80s trivia. There was no way I would have known any of this. And my parents told me that. They said, you don't know any of this. You're not going to know any of it. There's no point in playing it. But I still wanted to. And so eventually they compromised, and we went out and found, I can't remember now what it was, but we found a more modern version. So I learned to play that and just got really, really good at it. Nice. So, so I, I love I, any kind of version I find. Because we found Star Wars and... Lord of the Rings and all these others. I love playing any of those Harry Potter ones, movie ones, modern yeah, books. I think I've got a pop culture one. Yeah. And I, th- I was still bad at that one. Because <laughs> um, it was like 90s and early 2000s. Yeah, Millennium one. Um, but my other uh, honorable mention, it's another big game. It's a more recent one. It's called Fury of Dracula. Oh, um, I like that one too. The first time we played it, it took us two days to finish it not two full days but two good maybe four hour long sessions yeah it it took us a little bit that's one of those you kind of have to that's an afternoon yeah but you will have one player play as dracula and you can this this is what i thought was really cool you can have you have four adventurers trying to stop dracula but you don't necessarily have to have four other people you can have one person play as all four you can have two people split it up. You can have three people split it up, or you can have everybody get one. So you can do two to five. 
but as the hunter's trying to hunt down Dracula, he's trying to escape from them. The coolest aspect to me is that he's hot, that Dracula's running around the map of Europe. He's moving from city to city in secret, so you don't know where he is. He's leaving a trail, but you don't know where he started. So that's part of the game is trying to find him um, while also making sure he's not going to kill you because the traps he's leaving are out to get you. So, I mean, it's another one of those... It's competitive. It's you know you can be one on one or four on one, but it's still you get so many advantages playing as Dracula that it keeps it even. It's hard to understand at first, yeah, or it was for me. But once you kind of figure it out, yeah, because there's just so much you can do. Yeah, you it gets better. I would suggest watching Tabletop. Yeah, on that one. Just watch that one first, see what they're doing, because they do explain it pretty well. Yeah, there's some stuff that gets skipped over. There's also Game the Game, I believe, does theirs, or there's a Let's... I mean, you can find Let's Plays of it. Didn't Tabletop mess up one of the rules? They mess up several of the rules. On well, they, they do, like, a, a couple. So it's not house rules. Yeah, house rules. That's what I'm saying. Okay, so my honorable mentions which one of my honorable mentions has already been mentioned, and it was Casey's number three. That was Betrayal at House on the Hill. So I won't necessarily go over that one again, but I do love it. And then my other honorable mention is The Hobbit, the deck builder. And really, it's deck builders in general. And we do have The Hobbit. We have The Lord of the Rings. All three of the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, all three of them. Uh, The Harry Potter deck builder. Those are different, though. But we do have a lot of deck builder games. I love deck builder games because they're a lot like anybody has played Pokemon, the card game, or Magic the Gathering. Yu-Gi-Oh. Yu-Gi-Oh. Any of those games. It plays a lot like that, but all of the cards that you need are already in the box. You don't have to go buy out all these like little teeny tiny packs like 15 card packs or 10 card packs or, yeah. or buy like the starter packs or anything all of the cards that you need are in the game and then you build your deck as you play yeah you earn more cards as you go and that goes into your deck i love those too what i love about them is you can play them competitively or you can play them as a team you're trying to beat this one like bad guy bad guy card mm. and you have uh, the row of five or however five. many cards usually it's five yeah that you buy from so you you have like points and stuff that you buy like the cards in your hand because you draw five and then you use those five to try and pay for whatever is in the line and then once you get that you discard all the cards well not all of the cards are fantastic some of them are like negative points or don't have any points at all so you kind of just have to put those to the side and then others, like, as you buy cards, they, they like, stack up. And that's what you want. You want all those to stack up as far as, like, this card. If you have this card and this card, or if you've played this card and this card, uh, you can add plus two. So it's like I have these three basic cards, which are one each. And then I have this other card that is two points. And then I have this other card that is, like, a character card that's one point but if i play that one first and play this other card then it stacks up so it's it's pretty cool yeah and all the- or it's like oh i can take a card from the top of my deck and add it add it to the total yeah and each of the cards has 
like bonus points assigned to them the genies at the end to calculate who actually wins yeah that that's another one you don't know who has actually won until the very end yeah so i mean you can you can kind of guess but that involves some strategy too of, of which card this card will help me now but this one will help me in the long run which do i go with but like i said whenever we play even when we play competitively there comes a point where I don't even care about points. It's just like, oh, this boss is so freaking annoying. He's been here forever. Just take him down. Do whatever you have to well, do to take him down. Yeah, and some of the bosses do bad things to you each round. Yeah, make you discard cards or lose a card or whatever. All right, we have reached the top of our list. We've reached our number, number one, one picks. And my number one pick, we are going back to the horror theme. And we are going into Lovecraftian horror. And we are going back, way back, to Elder Sign. Oh, I'm so glad you picked that one, because I do like that one. I, I considered that one, but I have other ones. Elder Sign is, without a doubt, the hardest game I've ever played. If anybody's ever played a Pandemic or Forbidden Island, it's a similar type of game. It's you against the game, which that's, that's the first thing that really caught my eyes. I've never played a game, a board game, that I can lose to the game and we've lost to the game several times several times because in the game you take on the role of an investigator and you and your team are up against one of the elder gods and you are trying to gather elder signs in different locations throughout the game and you do that by completing dice rolls it's so much harder than you think you look at it and you say this isn't that hard to you know to defeat this all you have to do is roll this many dice and get this many results and you sit there and you go that's not that hard and then you actually try it and it's all chance and you're screwed yeah and it's always insanely bad bad things that happen to you when you fail because your investigator has health and has sanity and every time you fail an investigation you start to lose that yeah you'll lose sanity or you lose health yeah and you can gain them back but the elder gods are also throwing monsters at you that you have to fight during the game to make it even more complicated. And it activates the mythos effect where something else god-awful happens to you at the start of the day. Yeah, because you have the clock. Yeah. The game is working against you very, very hard. Yeah, it's... I mean, it's, it's again... It it's, hates you. It's the Cthulhu universe. Everything hates you. Everything is trying its best to kill you, and it's horrifying. But like I said, it's it's still so much fun because again, it's it's I love compet I love cooperative board games. I love working with somebody else for a game like that because you're just, you're genuinely rooting for the other person to try and do it. It's like yeah, whatever you can do to help them win, go for it, do it. Yeah, there's a lot of conversation back and forth where it's like oh, because when you heal, you have to go back to this home area. And you basically lose a turn that turn. You don't get to try to do anything. You're essentially giving up a turn to try and get back health or something. Yeah, it's... Which means you're using up time that you could be trying to get one of those things to pay off to get a sign. Yeah, it's it's like Waterdeep. It's worker placement because you only have so many turns before this elder god is going to be awakened and you can fight the elder god you can, <laughs> you can try, try to it's very 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 bad it's all chance it's all Once the it gets dice to rolls. that point it's all the dice. you can try to stack the odds in your favor and still get shot down yeah it's 
it's really really bad it's a lot like uh, game of thrones honestly it's really really challenging you're not gonna win you you win or you die yeah literally you win or die there is no in between okay so my number one is chrononauts i knew that was coming i love chrononauts and i'm one of those weird people that likes time travel um i'm just weird because i love lost i love star trek when they do the time travel stuff i love charmed when they do the time travel stuff i love doctor who but um this is very this is honestly very doctor who-esque honestly because you your board is essentially just all these different cards and we have all of the expansions so we have the early american chrononauts and we have the original and then we have all of the little extra expansions because i wanted to be able to play all of it That was a random buy when we were in Florida, wasn't it? We went to, we were on our way to Florida and we stopped at a Books a Million. Yeah. And while we were like just randomly looking at the games, we found that and thought, this looks interesting. It's like, oh, that looks neat and with I, all the numbers and the swirly stuff. I like it. And we spent the bulk of a week in Florida inside playing that game. Yeah, like every night we were inside playing Flux and Chrononauts. Yeah, that's <laughs> we would be out at the beach in the morning and then just inside playing card games all night. But yeah, I two different ways to win, right? Yeah. No, there's three there's three ways to win. Well, depending on There's huh? Depending on who you are. Oh, no, no, there's three. There's three. Yeah, there's three ways to win. There's um your character you have a character card, and that has a certain way to win. Mm-hmm. You have a you have a mission card, so you have to fulfill that mission, or you have to have what ten cards in your hand. Yeah, which is actually really hard to do because it's always draw one, play one, and there's not a lot that gives you extra cards. Yeah, there's we've never won where no, I don't even think we've gotten close. You usually have maybe like four cards in your hand at most, maybe five. Yeah. It's a lot trickier. You're changing timelines, essentially. Yeah. There's uh, John Lennon mm-hmm. doesn't die. Yeah. Cause each and then it changes like two other things. Yeah, because each card has a historical event on it. Yeah, and it's usually a lot of actual. Yeah, they're all, all. actual historical events. So it's historical it teaches yeah. you as well. It so it has the year that that thing happened. So uh, there's the Titanic sank. Mm-hmm. Abraham Lincoln assassinated. Columbine. World War Two begins. World War One begins. Uh, the Great Depression. The dropping of the atomic bomb. Sputnik launched. Yeah, and I don't remember the early American one. We've only played that one once. Yeah. But it it's a lot of the same, the same stuff just before. What's the earliest one on the original? Is that the Titanic or? It's 1865. It's Lincoln being shot. So Okay, so it was Lincoln. So the early American one is before that. And you can actually play them together mm-hmm. as this big giant board. And we haven't done that. That would be interesting. Yeah. All the cards are labeled, so we could separate them out if needed. But I love this game. It, yeah. I just, I feel feel like doctor who when i play yeah because then i'm changing certain things and yeah 
because you maybe it's for good, maybe it's for bad. Yeah, you'll save. You know, let's say you save Lincoln from being shot, but then that affects other timelines that you then have to try to fix. Because that's the other cards you get are the patches to fix the anomalies. Um, and if you get too many anomalies or too many paradoxes, it'll create an ultimate paradox that shuts down the universe and everybody loses. Yeah, the paradoxes are the unfixed ones, right? Mm-hmm. So you you put the patches on top of the paradoxes. Right. So and it's As time ceases to exist. You unravel everything, and we all die. <laughs> we have never done that. I think we've gotten up to like nine. Yeah, but don't worry, we're all still here. Yeah, we we still exist. So uh, there's also artifacts, and that's a lot like in um, Flux, where you have the keepers. It's essentially this, uh, the same thing. They just they're artifacts. Uh, some of the artifacts are the Mona Lisa. One of them is the Mona Lisa. One of them is a good copy, and or it's a good fake, and then one is a bad fake mm -hmm. where Mona Lisa has a mustache. Yeah. The other one, she's like winking or something. Yeah, she's winking. And then the uh, there's just the original. Mm -hmm. And one of the mission cards is you have to get all three of those. Yeah. And then each each of the character cards you can win if you complete your goal which will be to change a timeline to get back into your own timeline and i think one of the characters actually is trying to create the uber paradox i think we haven't had that person then yeah no we haven't drawn it yet but you know one of the characters their goal is to create the uber paradox we don't want the uber paradox no. that's a bad thing that's that's a number one no-no in time travel yeah do not create a paradox don't touch yourself Well, that, I guess, brings us to the end Yeah. of our top five. Essentially ten, but we each have five. And like we said, any of these games catch your interest. You can find most of it uh, on Amazon, um, pretty much anywhere online. But check out your local game shop. You know, you'll find a lot, they'll have a lot more selection than we can even imagine. And it's a great way to just be introduced to new ideas, new games, and new people, too. Yeah, there's... There was this one store we used to go to all the time, the Game Cave. We already mentioned it, but the guy there, Dave, he was fantastic. He would help us anytime we had questions about this, or we'd just geek out with him about different board games and had he played this or that or yeah. whatever. And you're supporting small businesses, too. Oh, exactly. Amazon doesn't need your money. These guys do. Yes. If, if you find it in a, in your store close by and it's a game store buy it from them before you think about amazon or any of these other bigger yeah any places. online retailers go to your local game shop it is time to pimp those socials we are at geek to me podcast on twitter instagram and facebook group we also have a facebook page but that one's a little different it is capital G for the geek, the number two, capital M for me, capital P, podcast. The rest of it is lowercase. And the ones for Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, are, or the Facebook group, are all lowercase with the number two. So that brings us to our shower thought. Um, we just saw in the news that Doris Day passed away today, which leaves only six people from Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire, still alive. 
Don't worry, I'm finishing it for you in my head. Okay. I'm Casey. And I am Libby. This has been the Geek to Me podcast. Until next time, go, go geek, geek out. out.